1: Called What Are You Expecting? And we've decided for the five weeks of this series, we're gonna drill into one sentence one specific thing that god said in the context of this specific thing that god said is that his people the the nation of israel they'd been released from centuries of captivity and slavery under the egyptians they had been promised a land that they would enter into and it was glorious and they would be free and there was big grapes and milk and honey and it was fantastic and, uh, but they had to go on a journey to get from where they were being released from, and to and enter into this land that God had promised them. And the journey, it happened in a in desert, was taking longer than they expected. That it was there was things that were happening that they didn't kind of think that if they were God, you know, like you've never played this game before. If I was God, I would do it this way, you know. Like God, come on, really, what are you doing? Are uh, you sure you're qualified? Um, and so they were getting discouraged, they were losing hope, they were ratcheting down their expectations in God, and and God inserted Himself into the narrative, and He declared something about who He is to them. Because here's the thing, when you understand who somebody is, like when you pop the bonnet and you understand who somebody is, that actually goes a long way to explain what somebody does. there's a saying, hurt people hurt people. So when you see downstream someone walking around hurting other people, you can almost always look upstream and find that that person has been hurt and hasn't actually resolved that hurt. Who they are actually informs what they do. If somebody is lazy, then that actually explains what they do or if lazy explains what they don't do. Um, and then that's, that's on a positive front as well. Who somebody is it will, it will explain what they do. And because if you understand who somebody is, you can then expect them to do things that are in line with their character, are in line with who they are. And so God's people were losing hope, getting discouraged. And God, he's like, hey, listen, let me either remind you or let me inform you who I really am. Because if you know who I really am, then you can expect things that are in line with who I really am. So God went, uh, got in Moses, Moses was leading them at the time, leading the people, got in Moses' face and said this to Moses on behalf and for the, for, the, uh, for the people that they were leading. Yahweh, this is God speaking, the Lord, hello, the God of, and He declares five truths about Himself, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger, And I'm filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. These five big truths of who God is. And last week we drilled into the first one, that God is a God of compassion and what that means and that we can expect God's compassion. Compassion is not a weak word. It's not a there, there. It's somebody who is willing to get involved in our narrative and actually ultimately turn things around if that's what we need from Him because He's for us, not against us. Now, 20 years ago, I was reading my Bible. I've read it since as well. But this particular time, I'm about 20 years ago, I'm reading my Bible. And I remember read, you know, every now and then you're reading your Bible and it might, be, it might be something you're reading for the first time. It might be something you're reading that, you that, that you've read before. But, but God, and he says his word is alive, okay? So when you read your Bible, you can expect that, that something's just gonna leap off the page and smack you right between the eyes. Or in this case, literally just about knocked me off my seat. I'm reading early accounts of creation around the time of a guy named Noah, but he hadn't appeared into the narrative just yet. In Genesis chapter six, I'm reading, God's people, again, had chosen to kind of walk away from God. Seems to be a little bit of a pattern. Uh, They decided to go their own way, make themselves the centre of their universe, make their own ambitions and their own plans the most important part of it. And... uh, it was pretty drastic. And the reason I know it's pretty drastic is when you're reading that, God got to a point where He decided His best play was to destroy everybody and everything and start from scratch. God decided He was gonna do people version 2.0. Like 1.0 is an epic fail. These people are so, they're so far gone. They can't even be redeemed. They can't even be rescued. They can't even be repaired. So I'm just gonna wipe them out and I'm gonna do what I did. The first time I'm gonna do it again. I'm gonna start from scratch. Now, does that sound pretty dramatic? Does that sound like somebody who's kind of lost their patience with how things are going? Well, this is exactly how it was. And then I read, These seven words just about knocked me off my seat. But Noah found favour with the Lord. And spoiler, on this basis alone, God spared Noah and his family and a few animals from ultimately being destroyed. Like Noah got a little bit more than a free kick here. He literally got the only ticket to continue, And then God says to Noah uh, something like completely insane. He says, I want you to build a boat 140 metres long, about 500 feet long, a bit bigger than an AFL ground in length. It just, and, and that's insane. And it's insane for at least two reasons. Number one, Noah wasn't a builder. If you're gonna get somebody to build a big boat, probably choose a boat builder. No, cho- chose Noah. No experience. No qualifications. I mean, I confessed last week, having failed assembling, not building, assembling an Ikea bookcase. It's like God saying to me, yeah, you're the best candidate for the job. I'd be like, no God, you have got no clue. So he asks Noah, not a builder, to build a boat 140 metres long. And get this, it wasn't even raining. How do you explain that to your neighbours when you get that project underway? When you're halfway through, neighbours are walking by, morning Noah, building a big boat I see. Yep. It's dry docked in a dry land. Absolutely nuts. Well, more on that later. Again, spoiler, Noah said yes. So God declares Himself the God of compassion and mercy. Now this word mercy can be used interchangeably with a couple of other words, not entirely overlapping, but largely overlapping. Mercy is often used interchangeably with the word grace and is often used interchangeably with the word favour. So I wanna actually drill into this word favour this morning. So let me start by defining terms. In favour, as many English words can be, you can define it several ways. I'm gonna just keep it real simple and to define favour as to endorse, okay? Again, there are other definitions. If you've got your Miriam Webster's, you can look up, you'll find some additional. But to keep it super simple, favour in the context I'm gonna talk about this morning means to endorse. And the kind of idea is like, if you write a book, towards the end of the writing process, you, you would typically be looking for somebody to write the foreword, And when they've written the foreword, you include that at the early part of your book and you put their name on the cover as well. So it's X book written by you and foreword by such and such. Well, the person you choose to write the foreword would ideally be somebody that's more well-known than you, would ideally be somebody that's got more credibility than you, ideally probably somebody that's more of an expert in the field than you are, or maybe they've, they've authored books and they've sold more than you've sold. And the hope is, that by them writing the foreword and you bragging about that they thought your book was worth putting their name on, that will actually give your book a bit of a leg up, would actually give you an endorsement to see your book go further faster. Another example, uh, Oprah Winfrey, perhaps you heard of her, uh, Book of the Month Club. She would take a book that she's read or one of her assistants has read, and each month she would recommend that book. without Oprah's endorsement, you know, probably the book's gonna sell a couple of thousand copies, give or take. But let me tell you what happens when Oprah gives her endorsement is that book now is selling in the hundreds of thousands of copies and you'll see it listed in the New York Times bestsellers list simply because Oprah did that author a favour and gave the book and the author her endorsement. So I wanna talk today about that we as Jesus followers can expect God's favour. Now, this is one of my favourite topics. And I've only ever preached this topic once in over 20 years of preaching. And the reason I've only ever preached it once is because I have seen people take this topic and this concept and this principle and get so wonked out about it that it's like, no, I no. And so I've kind of stayed way away back from the water's edge on this, but today, we're going in, people. We're taking a deep dive. But before I do, let me tell you some of the wonky things and some of the reasons that I've been reluctant, you, know, over 20 years, to preach this except for once, and today, second time. It is one it is a misunderstanding that some people have that God's love and God's favor are the same thing, and they're not. God's love is something that's given to us unconditionally. God's love is something that's given to us not because of what we've done, but in fact, often despite what we've done. That God gives it to us. We didn't earn it, Frankie, deserve it, Frankie. That's the song you're listening to. Uh, God give it to us and not only has given it to us, we've got it, full keeps. Okay, that's God's love. God's favour is something different and actually God's favour, there's some upstream... Things, or I'm gonna talk about one in particular later on that we can do to actually position us to better receive God's favour. So these are two different things. Another thing that people get wonky on is that when you start talking about God's favour, that He's gonna give you an endorsement, He's gonna give you a leg up, He's gonna give you some assistance, that from that moment forwards, only good things will happen to you. (laughs) You'll never get sick. Your kids will never misbehave. You'll never ever be disappointed again. Fake news people. Can we just agree on that? And the third thing, and these this, I got a longer list than this, so I'll just give you the, the top three. Is people thinking that God's favor, that the purpose behind God's favor is that we so that we can get more bigger, shinier, newer, faster. And by the way, sometimes God's favour plays out in those things, but those aren't the purpose and the reason God might give us his favour. In fact, the reason that God gives us his favour is so that we can fulfil our purpose better because the things that God's calling us to do individually and corporately, we can't do on our own we're gonna need some assistance. And God says, yeah, I'm willing to give you some assistance. But here's the thing, when God gives us His assistance, when He endorses us, when He gives us His favour, it's ultimately then not just to achieve the purpose He's called us to, it's ultimately then to bring Him glory. Because when God gives us His favour, we sit there and we say, can't explain it. No, can't explain it. But I know that God is being... He's given me a leg up. I know God has endorsed us. I know that and 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 here's the thing. People don't always agree with what you say, but they can't dispute what they see. And so when they see you and your life experiencing God's favor, you can't dispute that. So God gets the glory. What favor might look like in your life? I'm going to wet your appetite. You ready? God's favor might Cause doors to open that you can't open. Might cause good breaks to come your way. Might cause the right people to come your way. Might cause the business deal that you bid for, among many other contractors, to be given to you. Might cause you to get the promotion that you weren't even next in line for. And it's often said that one touch of God's favor is worth years of your labour. Now, the labor's important. It's like, well, in that case, I'll just sit around on a hammock and wait for God's favour to swoop on in. No, 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 no. No, you'll find out in a second that is probably the opposite thing that we're supposed to do. But you can't explain it and you can't take credit for it. But boy, when it happens, it's inexplicable and it's good. So back to my... 20 years ago, reading the Bible, getting nearly knocked off my seat. But Noah, remember, God's about to destroy everyone and everything, do over, Earth 2.0. But Noah found favor with the Lord. So I read that, and I'm immediately like, why Noah? Like, I mean, I like it. If I was, I'd rather be Noah than all the other clowns. And here's the thing, favour leaves clues. When you see somebody experiencing God's favour in a situation, a circumstance or a season of their life, there's always clues upstream. And, and the smart play, and I had one of these conversations this week with someone who's experienced, or their, their family is experiencing God's favour. My first question to them is, tell me what you were doing before this season. Tell me what you were doing in the last season. Tell me what you did, what you went through, how you positioned yourself because you didn't just wake up and mysteriously experience God's favour because that's not how it works. There's always clues upstream and they explain some of their upstream stuff and I went, yeah, sounds about right. Made some notes for myself. Because favour leaves clues and the same is true for Noah. So Noah found favour with the Lord and not only got spared, but got given this incredible purpose so phenomenal, but also so beyond him that he needed God's favour to continually be a thing. And if it wasn't, we wouldn't be reading about him in history today. Well, here's a couple of clues. The very next verse after learning that Noah found favour with the Lord and got spared the very next verse, the very next thing that's recorded in history. This is the account of Noah and his family. Here's two clues. One, Noah was a righteous man, which means he did the right thing. He always asked, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? The reason the rest of the clowns are getting wiped out is because they were, they were always asking the question, what's the right thing for me? Whereas Noah would ask a different question, God, what's the right thing that you want me to do? So Noah was a righteous man. Listen, parents, you know this. If your kid is continually asking you as a parent, what do you want me to do? That kid's due for some treats. That kid's due for some rewards. If that kid's just, instead of saying, hey, uh, mama, papa, tell me what you wanted me to do and how you want me to do it. And you go, yeah, and then they go and do it. Fantastic. If instead that kid's like, ah, screw you, man, screw you. You'd be like, okay, bed early. Uh, No TV. It's like, yeah, duh. So Noah was a righteous man. There's a clue. The only, hello, blameless person living on earth at the time. And secondly, he walked in close fellowship with God at a time where one of the reasons God wanted to wipe everyone out is because they'd walked away from God. So Noah did the opposite. He prioritised his relationship with God on a daily basis. And then... Scroll down, verse 22. Here's another clue, and this is the one I wanna drill into. So no, God's just explained the boat and He gave very specific instructions. You know, people say, oh, just I wanna be led by the Spirit. Yeah, okay. No, there's a a part of it, but God often gives a very specific framework, including saying, I want you to build a boat 140 metres long. Not just anything, a tinny, a kayak. No, it's like very specific. He outlined the materials. He outlined... Okay, and this is what Noah did. remember unqualified builder he's putting this thing together on his front yard that that's probably well who knows uh, and 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 made no sense and and this is what was said, so Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him obedience so I want to just in the 11 minutes and 37 seconds we have remaining. I want, Frank, don't look. I wanna zoom in on this piece, this clue, this upstream clue around obedience. So if you have your Bible app or your Bible with your smartphone torch, ready, ash, rex. Uh, Pop it open to Luke chapter 16. I'm gonna take it from the New International Version, Luke chapter 16. Now Luke was one of the, he wasn't actually one of Jesus' handpicked followers. He was actually a medical doctor at the time. And in the early days of the church, the early church was growing. Most of it was growing because of the verbal uh, stories being passed around of Jesus, what He did, how He rose from the dead, the miracles He performed, the things He taught. And Luke decided he he was gonna kind of down the stethoscope and pick up the quill and start to write some of this down first of all, just to see if it was actually true, like a little bit of investigative journalism. But secondly, if it is true, this stuff needs to be preserved and and then needs to be disseminated. And so he went around interviewing eyewitnesses, people who had been there when Jesus had taught, people who'd been there when Jesus had healed, people that were there when Jesus appeared, having been you know killed a few days ahead. And wrote this. And this is one of the things that Luke recorded that Jesus taught now. Two series ago, we taught a series called Chasing Purpose. And the big idea in that series is that there are things that God calls all Jesus followers to do. And we call that God's general purpose. That's like the one size fits all. And then, and I use the metaphor of a freeway, like there's a freeway, but plenty of lanes on it that we're all meant to get on. And then when we're on it, traveling together, God will also give us some specific instructions that talk more to the lane that we're meant to get into. That's not the same lane as everyone else. Like not everyone else is gonna be called to build a 140 metre boat. That was Noah being given a specific purpose. But Noah was living in God's general purpose, obedience, fellowship, righteousness. So there's, there's some things that Jesus specifically told people to do when he was on earth. And not all of them said yes, by the way. Uh, so it's not just you and your kids. Um, he also taught some stuff that's for everyone. These are the all Jesus followers. I want you to do these things. So I wanna just drop us into a slice of some of what Jesus put in for all his followers to be obedient in. And this is in Luke chapter 16. I'm gonna drop us into verse 10. Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Here we've got a clue that God hands out His favour based in no small part on whether we are worthy of being trusted with that. And that just makes sense, God doesn't waste resources. If you can't be trusted, why would God give it to you? Because you're gonna waste it and therefore God's being wasteful. So he's looking for people who won't waste resources. And one of the clues that Jesus points out is if you can be trusted with very little, then it's, then it's more likely that you can be trusted with much. And let me get this straight. I know, I know what you're thinking. Like, yep, I know what you're thinking. We all want the much. We all want the much to be our starting point. Boy, much sounds better than little. In fact, much sounds better than very little, right? But Jesus, we don't start with the much, we start with the very little and God's looking for how we handle the very little. That's a clue to how we may or may not be worthy and be trustworthy in handling them very much. So if you've only got very little, don't underestimate what God might do with that. Don't, well, you know, it's not much or or, or it's only, you know, I've, I've got a, I'm leading an Elevate group, but it's only three people. So, you know, I won't even put much energy in. We, we, I'm, I'm in a I'm in a course of study and like, you know, it's not a very popular one. So look, if I pass, fail, it doesn't really matter. I'm in a job that I'm so far down the food chain, I'm not even sure I appear on the organisational chart. So, you know, I'll just do a half-baked job. Who cares? And, 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 <laughs> And Jesus said, "No, much comes after very little, and how we handle very little is often the gateway to being entrusted with much. Another church uh, I heard years ago, You know look, sometimes church leaders t- tell each other stories because like who else are you can tell right? And uh, so I, this story was told. Um, about a particular church that one of the team members in a particular team um, they were overheard saying look I've got all these great ideas that are going to make this team so much more effective and I but I'm going to hold back on sharing them until I become the leader of the team and then when I become the leader of the team I'm just going to break out and dazzle everyone with my great ideas well if you're a if you're a leader of a church you've got this principle on lock (laughs) because you don't give the keys to somebody who's not proving themselves to be trusted with very little so it should come as no surprise to you that that story didn't end well for the one that was holding back on the best ideas if they put them up maybe they could have been trusted with more then Jesus said, if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, that's money, people, who will trust you with true riches. And as Jesus followers, it would be so easy for us to say, I don't really care about money. I'm not really interested. I don't really pay much attention. I don't know where it goes. You know, someone gives pays me and I just kind of... And look, sometimes I have it left at the end of the week. Sometimes I don't. I don't even know. Budget, what's a budget? Plan, come on, are you kidding me? I don't even know. I don't even care. I'm interested in the the true riches. I'm interested in things of the kingdom. They're far more important. And Jesus says, heck yeah, they are. And one of the ways that I know you can be entrusted with the stuff that's more important is how you actually manage the stuff that's less important. Money. Money a game changing thought right there right so next our next series we're going to teach on money it's called keep the change and we do this once a year and by the way it's not just teaching on giving although week 3 it will be it's teaching on how we do this how we are trustworthy in handling worldly wealth some people are willing and not able so let's learn To be better, take your willingness to handle worldly wealth and add some skills to the equation. If you're not willing, maybe we can help you grow an appetite for handling worldly wealth that would actually see God bestow his favour, which is being trusted with true riches. And then this one. Jesus said, if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? And I've got two examples. They both involve guys named Steve. The first one, this is about 15 years ago, one of my buddies, Steve, uh, he was living in a rental property in Como, rental property. And uh, I saw him, you know, around about one day. Oh, how's it going, you know? What'd you do on the weekend? There's a classic Aussie question. What'd you do on the weekend? He's i oh, I put, I put retic in uh, uh, reticulation in, in in my property. And I'm like, uh, Steve, don't you live in a rental? He's like, yep, yeah, yes, yeah, I do. I, I'm like, so did the owner, the landlord, did they pay you to put the retic in? No, no, I just did it in my own time. I, I'm like, okay. And... Uh, did they supply the materials? No, no, I bought them all myself. Uh, okay, you're going to like invoice them or ask for like discount on next month 's rent? He goes, no. And he quoted this to me: He said, "I want my next move in my life to be able to own my own house, so i 'm going to take." You're allowed to quote like Bible verses to me. I'm not gonna think that you're preaching. I'm a preacher. I'll preach right back at you. He said, Jesus said, and I didn't go, oh, here we go. I'm, I'm leaning in. He says, said, if you're not trustworthy with what someone else is, who would give you something of your own? So I'm gonna treat that house that I rent as if it's my own house, trusting that God will take that and see that, I can be promoted, I can be endorsed, I can be given a leg up to own my own property and hey presto, within a period of time, his next move was to own his own property. And I never forgot that. Another story, it also involves Steve. A friend of mine, Steve, started working as a mechanic, apprentice mechanic, age 18, at uh, one of, australia's largest car dealerships now if you're local here in Perth it's called Johnny Hughes uh, if you're listening by podcast it's called Ginormous. Um and he started as a mechanic eighteen year old out of school on the on the tools uh, by the time he was in his thirties he was the company director of the entire group John Hughes who owned the company didn't run the company he ran the company in his thirties on behalf of the group and and hey Favor leaves clues. So I asked him, tell me some of the stuff upstream that's gonna explain the favor you're experiencing downstream. That's the smart question to ask people. Not to be jealous, not to think it couldn't happen to you. Not, tell, me, tell me some of the things. You, and he said, every day when I drive to work, now I'm gonna get a bit bible on you, but I'll explain it. He says to me, every day when I drive to work, I pray for Joseph's anointing to be on my life. Now, I understand that doesn't make sense in normal English. Very quickly, Joseph in history on two separate occasions was being was put in charge of things that he didn't own. First demonstration, he was put in prison and within a period of time, he was put in charge of running the prison whilst he was still a prisoner. And then when he got, when, once he got released from prison, he was appointed, not the next day, but in a very short period of time, he was appointed the prime minister to run Egypt on behalf of the Pharaoh. So he didn't own the prison. He wasn't the, the head of Egypt when he was appointed prime minister, but he tackled those responsibilities as if he was, as if he was the chief of the prison, as if he was the pharaoh of the country. And, and, and God knew that he wouldn't have promoted him in the first place if he hadn't demonstrated some of these characteristics. So my buddy Steve said, I pray on my way to work and then I try to act it out every day. I'm gonna work here in whatever position on the org chart that I'm on. I'm gonna work in this job as if I actually own the business. And he retired in his early 40s. And I can't probably personally tell you more than that, but there's plenty more to that story. So this is true in in your workplace, even if you're not the owner, this can play out. This, This is true in a team, even if you're not the leader. You say to the leader, I wanna be a contributing team member. You say to the leader, how do you want me to best contribute? You wanna promote people? Look for people who say to you, what's the role and give me some clues on how you want me to do it and then you go away and exceed their expectations. That's what this looks like. If you're looking at maybe property ownership of your own and you're currently in a rental and, and, and you know you, you think it's a good day if you've just barely scraped through a rental inspection, this might speak to you to treat that house. I've said this to some of, some of our younger people, I'm not gonna put a number on that, but when I've stepped into their cars and I've thought to myself, I need a hazmat suit, in Here and I've said, You really do you expect me to like physically get in this car? It's not going to happen. I'll, I'll get an Uber and I'll meet you there. And they're like, what? what? I go, This is disgusting. Oh, yeah, but when I get a nice car, I'm going to look after that. I'm like, No, you're not. You're either not going to get a nice car or you're going to get a nice car and you're going to treat this like you treat like and I'm not being harsh on them. I'm, I'm quoting this to them. This is a Jesus principle, and it's stuff that God gives us clues that if we do these sorts of things, and they're not about being legal, and they're not about being so burdensome. It's like, man, I love this. Who wouldn't want this? And if we can get onto this, again, we don't manufacture God's favour. Well, I can't put a timeline on it. I can't tell you how it's going to happen. You can't come and ask for your money back from me because I told you that it's not about me. It's not even about you, though we can play a part in it, and in playing our part, and, 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 oh boy, and obey because it's God, period, right? If He then endorses us and gives us a leg up and shows us favour, well, that's just a bonus, right? But He actually says that's something that we can expect. We good? You look very quiet this morning. Is this because it's so profound? Yeah, Yeah, That's course. I mean, I don't even know why I bothered asking. I knew that was the reason. Hey, next week, we get our good friend Steve Hall preaching. Um, he's gonna be preaching on expect God's patience where God says, I'm slow to anger. In my 20s, I was not slow to anger. I was not a very nice person to be around or married to, which I wasn't in my 20s, thank God. So Steve's going to preach on it. So be here, bring someone, and we're going to continue just to really get more and more clarity on who God says He is.
0: We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.